listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Oh, hello, Internet. It's your pal Christian from the town of Oakville in his basement, welcoming you to another jam-packed episode of The Atomic Geeks Podcast. And in my hand... I have a cold bottle of a Canadian classic, and ironically enough, it is called Molson Canadian. Molson Canadian, Canadian water, prairie prairie barley, no preservatives, and good in my belly. I wonder what other fellas feel like doing some podcasting tonight. Well, hello, Internet. Hello, Atomic Geeks. Hi, Mom. Mike Downs here. I'm in my laundry room, uh, and I'm drinking a PC Genuine Lager. That's right. It's no-name beer, because as I've said before, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, Christian and everyone. It's Andrew Bloom calling in from London. I'm drinking a Carlsberg tonight, probably the best beer in the world. That's their slogan, not me saying it, but it's quite tasty. <laughs> and hey, 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 peeps, it's Michael DiGiovanni in Toronto in my office, and for tonight's podcast, I'm enjoying an Anchor Brewing Liberty Ale. Sounds it, relatively normal for you, DJ. Yeah, is that the taste of freedom, that uh, beer, possibly? <laughs> it does. It, it actually has, has, a, it has an eagle on the crest. It is actually a crest, and it has an American shield on it. It's very patriotic. Ah, so it's a German beer. No. Well, you very, know, our, very patriotic from, for America. Glad we're Canadian and you're drinking it. Well, I mean, there are you realize there are beers from other places, right? Oh, really? <laughs> but uh, Christian, our beers could almost fight. That's true. I was, I was, I was actually thinking to myself, is, is there such a thing as a patriotic beer? And then, of course, I'm smacking myself in the face because I'm drinking a Molson Canadian for crying out loud. I mean, you can't get much more patriotic than that, I guess, unless it's called. Flag beer made with real Canadian flags. Maple leaf ale. That's right. Actually, there, there is uh, – I know there's a beer out west that's a maple beer. I would say, though, uh, that Liberty beer is probably going to taste a fuck of a lot better than that shitty-ass Molson Canadian, though. Ain't that the truth. Didn't what? Sir John A. MacDonald brew Molson Canadian? He I still think, does. I think it says on the label there's a little John A. in every bottle of Molson Canadian. <laughs> yeah. they, they spread his ashes throughout all of the plants. Yeah, like you know how they made the Kiss comic way back when with the blood of what? the members of the band? I think they actually kind of like dabbled the ashes into the brewing uh, process of Molson Canadian. Well, oh. Sir John A. MacDonald is sort of like Jesus for Canada. <laughs> so you're having your Holy Communion right now on yes, the podcast. The, the Jesus of pol- of Canadian political circus, cir- circles. Let's just make that clear. All, all the Americans are going, who in the fuck is John A. McDonald? <laughs> no, you know what, Downs? A bunch of Canadians are going, who the fuck is John A. McDonald? <laughs> he, he's the guy that, uh, who's that? What what bill is he on with the bad haircut for crying out loud? Is he even on one of our bill? $5 bill? Oh, uh, the blue one? I thought it was a $10 bill. Whatever, I don't even know. I thought the $10 I only bill carry, was... I only carry around hundreds. <laughs> yes. I thought and the $10 one. bill was the totem pole in the igloo. <laughs> and that's not much of a joke, to be honest. <laughs> no, it is a polar bear on the... All right, uh, jerkheads. Uh, here we go. Another night of podcasting. And now, before we get to our exciting topic, which one of the Atomic Geeks Cub reporters has brought some? Geek news. Geek news. 
right here is, hey, it's me with the uh, hot off the geek press geek news. You well, guys, uh, another week, another little bit of news about a superhero movie. It's nonstop uh, information on the DC and Marvel front. And here's the latest with Green Lantern uh, coming to theaters next summer in 2011. DC Entertainment is already hard at work on putting together the next superhero film from their franchises, and that would be The Flash. Uh, so apparently the script will be completed by end of this calendar year, and a rumor now has presented itself as to who is the studio's top choice to play Mr. Flash himself, Barry Allen, and that is... Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. No, ah, uh, <laughs> fuck. I know I was going to make a joke, but I can't remember the guy's name. Who's the guy who was in... Chris uh, Evans was uh, too busy, apparently. <laughs> no, uh, thanks for stomping on that, Christian. But, Sorry. <laughs> but the uh, the leading candidate to play uh, Flash as it races into theaters is Bradley Cooper from The A-Team and The Hangover. So, uh, guys, what are our thoughts on potential that ca- casting news? Apparently not much. (laughs) I think Bradley Cooper could kind of look the part like he is, he, you know, kind of muscular, has a pointy nose for, you know, aerodynamics. But I don't know. Like, I I think that's all right. I'm sure sure that was one of the criteria when actually casting the role. Okay, we want someone with a face that can cut through the wind. How fast can you actually run? They have a race with all all the casting members. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's that bad of a, of a, of a casting. Obviously, they're going in a different vein. Well, it makes me wonder if they're actually going. Did they say they're actually casting Barry Allen? Yeah, it is gonna. The, the movie's gonna be built around Barry Allen. They said uh, script isn't finished, but they're really gonna be playing up the sort of forensics element right. of it, sort of CSI somewhat, because that's what Barry Allen did, uh, and his, you know, as his alter ego, but. uh when you're thinking about Barry Allen, blonde-haired, square-jawed sort of forensic worker, you know, I, I don't know. I can't, it's hard to think of who else they'd be. I think Bradley Cooper is a decent choice. I think we're into territory, as you know, you joked off the top, Christian, about Ryan Reynolds. We said this exact same thing about him being cast as Hal Jordan Green Lantern is, yeah, he could be okay, but he may have to tone down the jokey joke. I think Bradley Cooper probably has the chops, but I think it's hard for people to get their head around him in a sort of action superhero role. So I think he, I, I think it's decent. I think as if he gets a new haircut, he'll look the part, and I, hopefully he can play the part. I, I think too when you're when you're dealing with a movie like Flash, although all of us know who Barry Allen is in the Flash, the general public, the Flash is not the biggest superhero out there. Um, so you kind of have to attach a name to it. I don't think you could get away with having a no name that looks the part to play the Flash. You need to have something backing that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, having you guys all go first. I think I'm definitely more in Dijo's camp. I think this guy can look the part, but I definitely have concerns of his of his maybe high pitched voice and his in his laughy. This. I mean, I know when he was on Alias, you know, he, while he was joking, he was also serious in that, you know what I mean? He did do some good stuff. Um, and he's, he's, he's been in other movies as well. But, you know, I, I definitely think my first impulse was kind of, I think what maybe what you were thinking, DJ, was, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's definitely got to tone down the wacky, jokey style. That's for sure. Mm. 
And I'm sure he will. I mean, I think that's the thing is when I think the initial reaction to hearing casting news like that, you are predisposed to just think of him like from the hangover. And, uh, but I, I, I agree. I think you reminding me of his work in alias is actually helping my thoughts on this. I think who else could they have gotten realistically? I think he looks like kind of a Barry Allen. He's got the build. He's not too, he's not like a fucking Vin Diesel or Dwayne Johnson muscle bound dude. I think he's slender build, got a little bit of muscles, handsome enough that he could pull off leading man superhero. Eh, I think, I think it's a logical casting. You know, you know who might be good if maybe, I don't know if dare I say, if he was, I guess maybe a, a little bit younger, because I mean, he's not that old, I guess, right now, is, uh, uh, what's his name from Memento? Oh, uh, right. Guy, Guy um, Pierce? Yeah, Guy, Guy Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, Guy Pierce. Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually inspired. He, he's got a good jawline, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a bit of a skinny kind of face, but still, if he could, like, bulk up a little he's bit. He's kind of boring, too, though. But, I mean, it's like we're saying about Bradley Cooper, though. You only reference the, what you've seen them in and what you know them as. So, uh, being actors, they're going to fit the role that's scripted for them and what the director does for them. And I think when you talk about Bradley Cooper hoping that the jokey joke doesn't come in, it really comes down to you hope the studio doesn't want the Flash to be jokey. Because Bradley Cooper is going to play whatever part they put in front of him. Well, I'll tell you right now what this message of this possible casting says to me is that basically this movie studio realizes the fact, after probably looking over some of the Flash comics, that Barry Allen, as far as... His alter ego, the character himself, is a bit of a stiff. And that yeah. if anything that this character needs to make it a bit more interesting on the movie screen is a little bit more jokey joke. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I think of. Sorry, Mike, but I'll tell you what I think of that. Is I, I, I think they start to go, okay, listen now. We're putting out a Green Lantern. There's an Iron Man out there. You're going to have to use the alter egos really to differentiate between these people in the general public's eyes. I mean, they're not like us. They're not going to follow every goddamn superhero. You know what I mean? So aside, once you take away a person's costume and powers, what's really a compelling story? So maybe that's where they're going if, if to read into maybe some of what you're saying, Christian. No, and I think that's totally right. And I think Andrew kind of hit it on the head in the sense that, you know, the new Superman reboot film, you don't need to attach an A-lister to that or even a, you know, a B-lister for that matter. I, I do agree. Iron Man worked because of the very smart and daring casting of Robert Downey Jr., but he was a recognizable name. You know, I think Flash needs a Bradley Cooper's face and star power to kind of get people in seats, but also then the comic book fans will come alike. I do agree. I think the alter ego is important because Barry Allen uh, isn't a household name. He's not a Bruce Wayne. He's not a Peter Parker. So I think you have to get the the drive of, oh, okay, I know that guy, and oh, look, he can run really fucking fast. Yeah, they got their work cut out for them, I think, on this movie, because they're going to have to kind of like basically use their powers of creativity to make, you know, the Flash do a whole bunch of different kind of things except like freaking like, you know, run. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one thing that's been proven, I think, and I love the Flash. Like, I think the Flash is a fantastic character. But anytime you try to realize him outside of the comic book medium, it doesn't really fly. No pun intended. It, it, it kind of, you know, falls flat. It trips while running. Do we have any more? <laughs> it slows down. It runs out of steam. <laughs> but, but yeah, my point is, is hasn't really taken off, hasn't really been able to 
uh, hold it. I would love to see Flash be great and love to see everything work for, for Bradley Cooper and, and, uh, the Flash movies because I think he's a fantastic, uh, superhero. Uh, but yeah, they've got their work cut out for them. Well, his, his powers definitely lend themselves to 2010, 2011, 2012. Uh, special effects work, right? There, you could, if you start thinking in your head what they could do with him, and I think Christian, you were getting at this, is they gotta go, they really have to exploit that more. I mean, cause we've seen people in other cheaper movies run fast. They gotta exploit the, the speed force, you know, yeah. to kind of talk about the comics for a little bit. Him running up walls, maybe slowing down time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Vibrating yeah. through shit. None they really, None of this no ordinary family wife bullshit, you know, like fetching I, shit from other rooms. For I Christ thought sakes. maybe she could join in the movies. She would just be like, hey, you're from Nord. Yes, I am. Hey, we're speedsters. Hi, what are you doing? I'm doing the dishes. What are you doing? I'm faster. Hey, you're the Flash. Remember that thing you dropped? I'll go get it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. None of this fucking super speed fetching, for Christ's sakes. That That is not needed. Um, I think the one thing that's the funny thing that's going to be about this movie is this movie, I swear to God, is going to be like 75% the movie about the fastest man in the world is going to be 75% slow motion. <laughs> yeah, you're probably, right. probably right. Yeah, so we're just, I mean, even the scenes like, where he's just talking to people. Especially if it's doing that CSI stuff, crying out loud, you know, things exploding in slow motion. This is how it was done, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Uh, let's, uh, move on from that fabulous bit of superhero geek news and move on to the meat and potatoes of tonight's show. To be totally honest, I'm not exactly sure what the title of this show is anymore. I think, uh, a ways back I wanted to, uh, call it, let's talk about the little things. And then I said to myself, no, I think I'm going to call it, uh, I have a question, but it seems like we're kind of back on the little things again. And I guess in a way, that's kind of what we're talking about. <laughs> we don't want to talk a whole show about Christian's penis. <laughs> I, I've been waiting for a small dick joke, not on the website or anything. From I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> You've been sitting there waiting for a small dick joke? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm like, how, 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 I'm, he's got to like, make himself feel better. <laughs> no, I'm like, you know, when you got something as big as I do, you know what I mean? You just you're waiting for other people to jump on the small dick jokes. But I just I didn't want to be the first one to do it. So okay, you could be like DJ. He's got two, <laughs> two small what? dicks. What? Um, huh? <laughs> Ooh. Well, sometimes you try with jokes. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> now that was funny. <laughs> All right. So what was I talking about? Oh yeah, the topic. So, I mean, essentially, uh, the inspiration for me personally for this topic essentially came from, like, where I sit and we do our shows, there's always those little questions, those little things I want to bring up that I would love for us to talk about when we're doing shows, but sometimes they're just, first of all, they'll take us off on tangents, and sometimes it's just, you know, not enough to sustain a show. So I, I put it out there to fellas to basically kind of get a couple of questions, things that they may want to talk about, stupid or otherwise, and uh, and bring them up, and just we're just going to shoot the shit and see what happens. Uh, now, for you, uh, dear listener, just so you know, uh, these uh, questions are only known to ourselves. None of us have actually heard these questions in advance. So as we hear them for the first time, you are hearing or as you hear them for the first time, we are hearing them for the first time as well. So uh, let's see uh, how the heck this goes. And I think uh, let's let's see who we'll start with. Dijo, with one of your questiones. Um, I didn't realize they had to be questions, but I can well, you know, topics of conversation. <laughs> in, in fact, <laughs> this is our first time doing this. I don't know what's going on. 
Jesus. Well, they don't have to be questions. They can just be yeah, topics of conversation. That's fine. Just throw what's the deal with in front of it. Make it a question. Uh, right where I'll were you when I was asking ev- for ideas before, for Christ's sake? I'll just say uh, say everything like this. Uh, <laughs> go up at the end of the sentence. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll get us started. Seeing as how vampires have pretty much taken over all of uh, entertainment, what with books, movies, and television, and now zombies seem to be nipping at their toes, I pose the question to the Atomic Geeks, what will be the next big thing for sci-fi, fantasy, genre, entertainment? The Mm. mummy. (laughs) I'd say your next logical guess isn't it the wolfman yeah i try it that one so many times werewolf it just but i as much as that sort of a logical linear thinking would go straight to the werewolf yeah but i see i disagree because werewolves are kind of packaged already with vampires because i don't know where it was ever written what yeah why did why they always travel together If you got one, you got the other. That's just the way she goes. Yeah, man, because it seems to be any time you have a vampire now, their major, uh, like, foe is a werewolf. I mean, it's in every single iteration that, that we're seeing on that shitty vampire diaries, obviously in yeah. Twilight, and to the best effect in True Blood. So, I don't know, I don't, werewolves, I, to me, I don't think is applicable because they're already getting their, that their must 15 be, minutes. That must be based on true true stories. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, you know, uh, well, the reason I, I, I mean, if you want to ask the question of why it's, that's done, is I think it's because that's your tr- traditional, um, you look at your uh, universal movies, uh, you know, our uh, monsters, you know, wh- wh- the Creature from the Black Lagoon and the Mummy are kind of a little bit, you know, it's not like they're hot-looking, sexy vampires, you know what I mean? A Mummy, they've done some Mummy movies, you know what I mean? And Anne Rice wrote some Mummy books, and, you know, it's kind of a little bit had his chance. I don't think the Creature from the Black Lagoon is really going to be the next fucking thing, this fishy thing. I don't think that's going to be big. I don't know. Anne Rice but- wrote Mummy books? Yeah, she did. She wrote uh, at least one because I've read it. Um, but she, all, I mean, not like it's chain like the fucking vampire ones. I think it's yeah, only one. But two. like, what what is her take on the mummy? Because like, the only mummy I know is mm. like the old classic friggin' Abbott at Costello friggin' like shambling collection of friggin' bandages. You know, Brendan. Uh, Fra- well, Brendan Fraser has a, almost a career of shitty movies based off of the mummy. Yeah, well. I know. I've seen those, but I don't know. They don't seem very mummy esque in my world to me. In fact, uh, in all honesty, uh, the, the Mummy by Anne Rice is one of my favorite books of hers, and it's probably because it was only a one-shot at the time, if it ever had a sequel. And I, I thought it was a very uh, convincing, compelling, and um, you know, uh, serious way to tell a, a, a Mummy story. I, I can't tell you any specifics because it was a while ago now, but it was definitely more along the, the lines, I think, of while, you know, as those movies may not be great, those Brendan Fraser ones. I mean, they are definitely telling a serious, you know, mummy. This isn't someone who's kind of sitting wrapped up in bandages and walk around going, it's more of a powerful uh, mysticism about it. You know what I mean? Well, I had heard that uh, Anne Rice's uh, mummy was basically, it was set in New Orleans, wasn't it, Down? And it was one that was, they, I think the title was Mardi Gras Mummy. Wasn't that it? Like, that always... <laughs> That was, no, that was not it at all. Careful I, of the mummy's beads. I feed on the living and my mama's gumbo. <laughs> no, but guys, I think the when I was posing this, it doesn't necessarily have to be the movie monsters. I'm saying what is going to be the, the next convention that could possibly work for... Oh. 
fantasy oh, like, and like, genre. Like oh. dinosaurs or shit like that. Yeah, yeah, it could be pirates, Viking. Like, well, I'm saying, uh, right now, vampires are consuming all of it. What's next? Well, obviously, like, right now, superheroes are very hot. And, and going back to uh, be before the big vampire attack that we've all felt over the last couple of years, it, Lord of the Rings had the, you know, ring, so to speak, the center of the ring, because... Everything at that time was being this this Middle Earth type ogres and and, and elves and um, and sword play uh, sort of slid into this vampire and um, pulp type uh, villains and, and and monsters. I think going forward, we're either gonna well, I was gonna say maybe hit robots again or get into the angels. I was gonna say that too. I was gonna say sarcastic robots would be kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I I think um, I've read a, a bunch, as I've kind of previously mentioned, I'll mention later, I've read a bunch of Neil Gaiman books lately, uh, his hardcover books. And I think that when Thor comes out uh, from Marvel, I think there's going to be more interest in kind of the gods, if you will, oh, um, uh, which is definitely, uh, you know, when, when Neil Gaiman, all these books, all these novels that he's written, definitely have these this kind of idea that um, – you know, when you're out of the corner of your eyes, you kind of catch this other uh, reality maybe and things. I mean, I, and I think things like sprites and fairies maybe are a part of that world. But I think that that might be another, um, you know, maybe a little bit more serious than Harry Potter. But, you know, more of that mysticism, uh, else world, and again, quote, gods. Like these things, yeah. uh, deities that were, I mean, I guess he touched on the Sandman as well. But things that were worshipped but now hold, hold less power than they used to. I think that might be something that the uh, people are ready for, mm-hmm. honestly. And going off what you said, obviously, American Gods is one of the books that you've read recently. Yeah. So that's a, a great book. And I think that's a pretty good, um, stab, like a pretty good guess, Downs, because that stuff follows, follows in that vein and is, to, at least to me, super awesomely exciting. Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, Downs, that is a really good guess because to me, I, I think going on what Andrew said beyond that it was super awesomely exciting is that there's actually legs for that in multimedia. You know, I, when Andrew was saying the Lord of the Rings, you didn't see television and stuff like that. I mean, uh, that this sort of gods uh, interacting with humans, and we've already seen it a bit of with Clash of the Titans, which was a moderate success. Uh, I could see that really being something special. My, my vote was going to be that we were going to get a bit of a renaissance for aliens. There's a few movies coming up. Uh, one of them most notably is, uh, if you haven't seen the trailers, there's one called Skyline uh, that looks pretty fucking good. Oh, the movie poster for that is crazy. That's where like they're over, the, the flying saucers are over top of the city, and they're sucking up the silhouettes of people like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy trailer, too. And uh, there's actually another movie coming out uh, that we should all be very aware of is a film called Monsters, which is actually, I believe, an alien invasion film as well. Uh, And then TV is really lighting up the aliens again in the last couple seasons, you know, with V and a few other ones. So to me, it felt like, oh, we're getting back into the, you know, dare I say it, sort of the Martian invasion sort of Mm -hmm. type of stuff. But I like the I like the demigod uh, you know, with Thor kind of lead, leading the charge, and that'll maybe spill into other films and uh, TV. I agree. I agree with that. I think. I think Aliens, although always a good choice, is a choice that's always around. They never seem to stray too far away from Aliens or X Files or Fringe or that type of. Well, Fringe maybe not Aliens quite as much. 
Um, but aliens don't seem to fall too far uh, in, onto the back burner. They're, they're not like where vampires disappear, and then all of a sudden everyone loves a vampire. I think aliens will kind of stay there. We're gods and, you know, Olympia and all these things have maybe been a little bit in the shadows for a while, and, and I think Downs, that was, a, that was an excellent guess. Well, I mean, I, I was going to say, you know, thank you. Uh, it was an excellent guess. <laughs> um, but um, also vampires never left my heart. Um, but I, I think Dee on a pretty good one, too, though. I and mean, I think there are there is a serious push for aliens, though, I mean, definitely on the horizon, and, and there has been recently. But, I mean, Bloom has a good point, too, that alien, there's always kind of an alien, something about, to do with aliens around. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you, here's a trend that I kind of hope is coming and I kind of see coming on the horizon. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, but I would like to see a good run of movies that kind of deal with action uh, in an adult manner, meaning like basically movies, action-filled movies that are not for like, you know, PG-13 or whatever. Like, you know how they freaking dumb down goddamn Die Hard. I mean, apparently I've seen the trailer for the, the new True Grit a uh, movie by the Coen brothers looks pretty damn good. And the new, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer for the um, Dwayne Johnson, otherwise known as The Rock's new movie. Uh, I actually, fa- I just saw that today. Faster? Boy, howdy. That makes me very excited. I mean, it's a, it looks like a super-duper action-oriented movie, but it's, again, for an adult audience. Well, it's. I saw the Red Band trailer that just launched today for Faster, and uh, they, they're really pushing that this is a hard R. It's pretty... Fucking violent, you know, like lots of blood, hard edged. So, Christian, I think you might be getting your wish with that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty funny, you know, that that hard, that hard violence thing. I mean, that's something I think that, you know, to speak of our generation. I mean, most of us guys, you know, aren't really horror fans, especially that the new type of horror. Um, and I think that that type of action is probably what some of the younger people are really, really looking for in their movies today. Um, some of us might be looking for it as well. Um, but I think that's probably a really good idea as well. I think that we'll probably see, you know, for a while, movies are really violent in the Pulp Fiction era. They kind of slow down a bit. and But the horror is definitely pushing the envelope with the violence. And we're starting to see, you know, even things on TV like True Blood and stuff. Like some, there's some pretty graphic stuff in there now. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's maybe a trend that Christians picked up on as well. Yeah, because, you know, honestly, you brought up a trend right there, because do you remember that when Pulp Fiction came out, all of a sudden there were these other kind of, like, semi-Pulp Fiction-y type of movies that came out as well, like, was it a Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead? Loving and, a 45, uh, I have half of them on my DVD. Yeah, and uh, what was the other one, the the, the, the the French Bank Robbers, which actually wasn't too bad. Well, Killing well, Zoe. Was, Killing that's Zoe. different because that's done with Roger Avery. You know, yeah, but still, it's in that same kind of vein. So or speak. like even Bad Lieutenant, Romeo Was Bleeding. I mean, there was a lot of movies that came out that were fast-talking gangsters, uh, you know, with, with ultra-violence and, and nonlinear storytelling. I mean, that was that was that. Uh, uh, yeah, like a Bad good dose time of, in movies. Yeah, like a good dose of action with you know with some good dialogue as well. Um, yeah, so there we go. So that, um, that's what I'm hoping for. That was a good that was a good question, uh, Michael. Uh, let's see who should end, ask the next question or bring up the next mini topic. I guess you could call it. How about you, Mister Downs? What do you got for us? Sure. So um, I didn't really do anything with the funny. I forgot that was we could have asked crazy and outlandish questions. Um, so I have a couple things that, that are serious uh, discussions I've been having lately I thought of bringing up, and then something else that is more of a uh, general comic book geek discussion. Which would you guys like? Well, we've done a comic book geek, so let's go with the other one. Okay, so... Um, First. 
Okay, sure. So um, this is something that that's come up because of the iPad, and I actually have had this discussion with a couple people now, and it's it has to do with what's the deal with the price of eBooks, um, you know. And so here here's the quandary, you know. Um, iTunes started took over the music industry with selling songs for ninety nine cents, and now with other things really being hit by digital media, um, some of these things I think the pricing structure is now just fucking retarded, um, you know. For instance, $20, the same price as you would pay for an actual hardcover book that you would buy, that's what they expect for you to uh, pay for an ebook. And I think that is fucking lunatic. An ebook is $20? I mean, so some of them are cheaper, but I mean, they're 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 not much cheaper than what you would pay for it, uh, you know, at, at least in a paperback form. Yeah, I would expect that you're saving money with the processing of the you know trees to make paper and the printing and the hay and the hay. Right. You should be saving some money here. They should be five dollars. Like I understand, you need to pay all the right people. People need to get paid. That's that's the way it is. But come on, you're not paying that pulp factory or pulp mill anymore to produce books to give you paper you got to be saving some money here i don't know i i that's a shock to me because i don't own an ipad and i know i'm terribly sad about it but i i haven't gotten into that yet i'm shocked that actually kind of makes me go fuck you guys i'm kind of mad about that (laughs) i think this is really a case i agree with you first of all that 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 is not the right price point for uh, this sort of thing and I think they're going to learn that fairly fast. What I think is happening here is they don't know how to price this yet because they're basically stuffing an old medium into a new uh, media or a new media or an old media into a new medium, I should say. The, th- that's not the right uh, price for this. And I think they're going to learn very quickly. And I would say in about six months to a year, you're going to see that price go down. Uh, to that very point, I think we're just so at the starting line for ebooks and e-reading and all of that that they don't know quite yet what they're doing. And once they kind of figure it out, and once consumers really like what we're talking about now, and once people start voting with their dollars, they're going to probably change that dramatically. Yeah, because I tell you right now. I think uh, uh, the the prime example of this overpricing myself, I personally think, is also exhibited with the friggin' online comic book readers as well, for crying out loud. Because, like, what's a, a, a new comic? And I, when I say new comic, uh, a comic from the last five years on the, uh, online, that it's like three friggin' dollars for an issue. I mean, that alone for something that's not even current is still a lot of money as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll tell you, and it's probably Apple's fault, and they can probably bitch and blame Apple, but here's my problem is that 99 cents for a song that I will listen to over and over and over and over again versus these things, which I will maybe, maybe read two or three times. You know, in a comic book a couple times, in a novel maybe twice. You know, so, uh, you know, to Andrew's point about the fact that, first of all, from a, from an environmental perspective, there should be, they should be offering huge discounts for this because, you know, it, it, you're not creating anything. You know, and, and I mean, and, and, uh, you know, my problem with, with what you're saying, Mike, is that we're just getting to it. I don't think it takes a fucking rocket science to figure out a price of a book is $5. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that this is, this is the entire fucking reason why piracy exists, because these guys have their fucking heads up their asses and just aren't fucking average people and they don't know how to fucking, I don't think this is really, again, I don't think it's rocket scientists, rocket science, how to fucking price a book. No, the, the, problem, the problem is, is that their heads are up our wallets. 
Like they, it's, it's all about greed. And if they can grab quick money now, then why not do it until the, you know, market decides that you need to be cheaper? No, see, I'm going to disagree slightly on that. I'm not going to blame Apple as part of this. I think uh-huh. this is, I think this is the publishing company's problems because they have not thought of a way to compensate digital media. I think the reason why comic books are two ninety nine is because they and books are twenty dollars is because the model in which they pay writers and in comic book sense artists are based on printed material. Now they're looking going, well shit, we never actually thought about how do we pay them for a digital fucking uh, a, a, a digital book, a digital comic book. So that's they have to work out the new f- rates. Internally, yeah. I think that I, is what's driving that cost. It's not Apple saying, "Hey, we should charge this for twenty bucks." No, it's the publisher. No, no, I'm no. Saying, no. Well, hold on a second, Andrew. Sorry, uh, Apple. What I meant by that is Apple set the ninety-nine cent price for songs. So I actually read an article that said, I, I read an article online that said that because of that, Apple has almost destroyed the pricing structure for online goods. It was actually a pretty interesting article stating that. That, in fact, was too low of a price, and that Apple wanted to dominate the music industry, and that's why they did that. So I think that I think a lot of traditional media now are going, thanks a lot, Apple. You kind of fucked us. But, yeah, you know, but that price it only at that price only actually apparently applies to music alone. Because I, I, I was listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Doug Benson, I Love Movies, and he started he's starting to put out uh, premium material that you can pay for. And he wanted to charge, like, for this one episode, 99 cents, but he couldn't do it because it wasn't music. It was a spoken form of entertainment. So they had to charge $1.99, hmm. which is well, kind of weird, too. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I, if I can ahead. just go back, sorry, Dan, if I can just go back to what DJ was saying, I'm going to say a little of column A, a little of column B here. I wasn't blaming Apple. I was saying it was the people who produced the material and, and who, who put it out there for us to download who are making money off of this and they're going to make money however they can i think it's kind of naive if you think that they don't have people who figure out to the penny what it costs them to make this stuff i think that this is their job and they know how to do it and they know how to make money off of us i think i don't know i i maybe i'm just too pessimistic maybe i've been hanging out with downs too much but no, you, the you point what, is actually... they know this shit and they shouldn't be sticking it to us too hard but they don't know what how many people are going to buy books. I, I will give online. you that. No, I that's will, the thing yeah, is the price. They're, they're, and I'm not defending them. I'm just I'm just playing the counterpoint here. Is that there's no historical data that they can say. Yeah, you know what? We we pay we charge people six ninety nine for a book. We're all making fucking money. They don't know what that is because it's such a new thing. Right, yeah, I get but, that, but you can't charge the same for paper as you can for electronics. That's just the way it should be. No, and I don't think Mike's saying that. I think Mike's saying is that they don't know what they're doing. But I, the, the problem is, is that when I look at this, in your current business model, this is all gravy. You know what I mean? This is all a new delivery mechanism that costs you practically nothing to put out. So this is all gravy. And I'll show you a, a good example of this is uh, for those of in, uh, in Canada who have the Canadian dollar. And a lot of businesses made a lot of money when the Canadian dollar was quite low by exporting to the United States. And now um, that we're almost at parity, these companies 
whine and complain. I've worked for these companies who whine and complain and say, oh, we're losing so much money because now the Canadian dollar is at par. I say, suck my fucking cock because if your business plan is to make money based off of the exchange rate or something like this, which I consider gravy, you know what I mean, then you're not executing a good business. You know what I mean? This doesn't cost you anything. There shouldn't be anything to look at in terms of how much it lo- it costs, how much you should charge, because you've already got the business model. People are already writing books. You're, all you're doing is putting them now online. So there's no extra cost, really. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's marginal. It's tiny, tiny compared to their existing cost of creating a book. I'm just thinking of uh, Downs' uh, book, a book on the shelves of bookstores on business advice, and the title would be, You Can Just Suck My Cock. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I'm sorry, but, there, but businesses, because another example that pisses me off with the book companies that fucked us over on the U.S. exchange rate. So for those of our listeners from the, uh, our friends south of the border from the States, you know, we have different money, so we have different prices here in Canada. You might see that when you buy a magazine that says, you know, U.S. price, Canada price. Well, they've always charged us more. And then when the Canadian dollar uh, hit the same amount, uh, they, for a while they said, okay, we're going to start selling books at uh, U.S. dollar uh, now because it's right, you know, U.S. price. It doesn't make any difference. And now they stopped doing that. And they're like, oh, well, it's because it costs more money and blah, 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 and wank, wank, wank. And you know what? Andrew's totally right. Because we don't fucking stand up and do anything about it, they're just going to fuck us in the ass until we correct it ourselves. That always used to bug me about friggin' uh, when I was a kid, seeing the prices for like uh, our prices and the American prices. Are like, what we got getting ripped off huge. I mean, <laughs> what was it like? Two dollars American price and fifty-five dollars Canadian. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 kind of it's insulting. You know what I mean? And it's, and you and you wonder why piracy exists. A lot of it exists outside of the U.S., you know what I mean? A lot of it comes from Canada, you know, in terms of ripping TV shows and ripping these books off. You know, there's a fucking reason for it, because all this fucking capitalism breeds this type of bullshit. I'm going on a rant. Look out. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Validating my illegal activities with a song. (laughs) Okay, uh, well, let's move on to uh, another one. Uh, Andrew, what what do you have for us? All right, well, thinking of uh, small uh, topic ideas... Uh, it took me a little while. Um, one of the ones I, I have, and this is kind of one of those things that I always scratch my head a little bit. Do you guys listen to the commentaries on DVDs? Do you watch a DVD and then go back and watch it with director's commentary and, and get anything out of it? Like, is, is, is anybody getting anything from this or is this just, uh, me that's missing out? Like, what's the deal with DVD commentary? <laughs> Great question. Uh, I'll go first. Um, in fact, I don't find myself watching a lot of DVDs nowadays, so therefore I don't listen to commentaries very much. However, at one time I listened to a lot of commentaries, and I'll say the best ones – Kevin Smith is known for doing very good ones. Robert Rodriguez, the director, his commentaries were like a film school while you watch the movie. You could actually listen to how this guy made movies for $30,000 instead of $300,000. So I think on a certain instance, there are some very good commentaries. However, I don't listen to them anymore, really. Well, yeah, because you're freaking downloading everything. Well, well I mean, I, but I don't. I, I think that honestly, I think that that whole kind of idea of commentaries may have passed. I think that at, at the time of when movies first came out, maybe you wanted to do that. I don't know if I really care, or maybe I'm just older. I don't have the time. I just oh. don't care that much about this well, shit. That's a pretty good point, though, because I mean, it, it, essentially, it's like it, it, I think if you want to buy a movie and you care about the commentary, it's got to be a movie that you really, really care for. It's a really good question, Andrew, and this is my answer to it. Is I actually, just uh, about two weeks ago, I actually bought a new Blu-ray based solely on the fact 
of the director's not the director's commentary, but the commentary track on that. And uh, first of all, I have no regrets buying the movie on its own. And that movie, my friends, is Roadhouse. Um, oh but, my god, that's a commentary track. No, no, did they pay you five dollars to take it? Whatever. It was five dollars for Blu-ray, so that was a price I couldn't freaking I love like, say that no movie, to. By the way. But I'm sorry, that's a fucking awesome movie. It's Roadhouse. fucking cheeseball personified, but. Uh, the common one of the commentary tracks on the movie is, ironically enough, is Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier, and uh, I am a huge fan of their podcast, and I'm and I think they're friggin' hilarious. Uh, I mean, for me right now, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith alone, only as a podcaster, not as a movie director, and I'm really interested in hearing what their commentary is for this film. Um, you know, Andrew, to answer your question, I. Do not listen to DVD commentaries, but I certainly, certainly understand the need and why other people like them. I think, you know, all of these DVD extras, I've heard Robert Rodriguez always does, you know, 10-minute film school. That's a little segment that he always does in the extra features for all of his movies. All this shit is necessary to get people to buy this thing. Because there's piracy, because there's on-demand, because there's Netflix, you name it. So I get it why they need to do this. And, if to, uh, and you know, to extrapolate on what Christian was saying, if you fucking love Roadhouse or the movie Crawl, you are the t- – and, you know, and you're a geek for all that shit, you want to see every goddamn piece of information about that movie. You know, but my – the reason with me is I – it's completely – uh, a little bit of what Down said in the sense where I just don't really have the time to go and watch a movie on DVD and then rewatch it to hear, you know, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks talk over it. But because but this also lends itself just for my uh, my personal taste is my DVD collection rather sucks. I have to be honest. I don't I, I, I really never got on the bandwagon of buying DVDs. I, ju- I just never did. I've got a few of them that have been given to me and blah, blah, blah. But Because uh, really, I've always focused on buying TV series on DVD and not movies. And I think during, I think movies are the ones that really jazz up those extra features and give you those great fucking, uh, you know, commentaries. Not to say TV doesn't have that, but uh, the movies ones, like the Kevin Smith shit, is where they go wild with it. But I just, I don't own enough and or care enough to buy a lot of these movies i probably sit in the same boat as you d now i have i think once watched a dvd commentary and it was probably because i was with other people who said dude you got to hear this listen to this here's take another hit but the the, the thing is like if you really it takes is that a, what i said that time and i think that, it i think it was here's what gonna sound like something you'd say <laughs> the, the uh, chips <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to hit him um but anyway, it's like getting a DVD or Blu-ray for me now. This has to be a big love of a movie, and I and I can understand it. Even though it's my question, and I don't really do it too often. I if I really watch a movie and I love that movie and I, I have it on DVD, I will watch the special features. I will watch the outtakes and watch the other things and the featurettes and all that garbage. It's the director's commentary that maybe what Downs is saying is. Maybe it's losing its its touch with all the newfangled fun things that you can get on Blu-rays and everything that I just haven't really glommed onto. Well, here's a question, Andrew, as a an, an add to this, because Christian's already mentioned this about Roadhouse. What was the most recent DVD that you and Downs even bought? 
<laughs> the um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know I have Iron Man. <laughs> Part two? Uh, no. Iron was Man that a one. gift or did you buy it? I bought Iron Man. I uh, I have Batman uh, Dark Knight. What about you, Downs? Uh, funny enough, because I have a pretty large DVD collection, I could not tell you. Um, I know personally I have not bought a DVD, aside from a game or something, in probably two-plus years. Um, and the only thing I would get would be at, uh, at Christmas. And even then, um, you know, it's, I watch so much stuff, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't have The Dark Knight, when I'm, uh, which I think is an amazing movie. I don't have Iron Man or anything like that. Um, nothing. Uh, see, I, I can't even tell you. That's, see, I'm the exact way. I mean, I'm, I'm scanning at it, and I'm like, I don't own Iron Man. I don't own Dark Knight. I loved all those movies. I think the most recent DVD I bought was season one of Dollhouse. Yeah, like, I, I guess that, that's that's the thing, though, right now. Like nowadays, with you know the digital accessibility of freaking movies, is like for for me personally to buy a movie, like you know an actual hard movie. A, it has to be a really really good movie that I really really want, or it's cheap as hell. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah, oh I like yeah, that movie. You know what? Five Super bucks? Tro- Fuck, why not? Or, like, or whatever. So so my last movie was Super Troopers, which I got in the Walmart bin for five bucks. Nice. I mean, I, I, you're totally right, Christian. You know, I think, uh, I don't know if it was a DJ you were saying, I, I think, you know, commentaries are like, and extra features are the only things keeping this medium alive. Um, and I think part of the problem with, specifically with commentaries, is that we've, What's happened is that they've proven to be, on the most part, pretty fucking boring and, and, and not very good. Um, there are a few people who are good at doing them, but but as you said, unless you're a huge fan, I just think most people, like, to your guys, Andrew's point is like, eh, you know, it's really not that interesting. You know, not many, mm. not most people are filmmakers, and, and the only other people that that applies to is for the, like, as we've said, the super fans. Uh, I, I just think that I've listened to all the Kevin Smith ones once, you know, I all, as we've said, all my favorite movies I've got, and I'm, I'm really, am I going to go get DVD, uh, Dark Knight, just to get Christopher Nolan. I don't know. I haven't heard he's a great commentator, so you know, I, I don't have anything like that. Yeah, but you know what? I just lo- I, I have both those movies on Blu-ray, and I have those only because you know they were good fucking Batman movies. One of my favorite characters of all time. It's like, and I just even though who knows when I'm able to watch them again, I just I guess for me in my own stupid way, it's just, I have them there. I'm comfortable with the fact that at any moment in the middle of the night, I can get up and go downstairs and you know watch you know that's, the Dark Knight. That's know? a that's a good point, and, and part of your point too, Christian is is having the time. And I don't want to you know belabor this DVD comment or or, or, or uh, discussion, but. The point is now, like, I, I, I have watched Iron Man more than once. I've, I, I don't even know. Like, I think I watched Dark Knight once after I got the, the, the Blu-ray. You don't have time with all the access you have to all this other media on the internet or Netflix or however the fuck you want to get it. It's hard to say, I'm going to go watch something that I've seen already, uh, once again. But the, here's, here's my thing for, for Blu-rays. The reason I buy Blu-rays or rent Blu-rays is the quality of the picture and the sound. I'm a, a bit of an audio dude, and I don't like how, like downloading a movie and it being shitty. Oh, and I'll tell you what, that is only a an issue of time. Yeah. Um, you know, if I if I if we were to compare ourselves, you know, I would say you know you guys are caterpillars. Um, you know, still looking at DVDs and, and medium. I'm a fucking butterfly, man. I don't watch anything that's not on computer. 
I, I don't watch anything on disc. I don't watch any broadcast television. Everything I watch comes from downloading or cloud, cloud computing, computing like Netflix. You know, You're we, a butterfly we, uh, that's going to jail. <laughs> No, well, I mean, you download shit too, so you can't say that you don't do it. I'm just saying that I, I, I mean, I watch a computer more than I watch the television. That's what I'm saying. This is a completely different way of consuming things. My computer, my television, my main television is on the input of PC. It doesn't go to the cable input. Do you understand that? Like this I is. Could, oh, I could drop Rogers. I if I, if it wasn't for the fact that I share Rogers with other people in the building, I could drop it. I don't have like, it. I, yeah. I, I don't have cable TV. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. have I don't, I don't have a broadcast signal. Everything I can consume is downloaded after the fact of it of it uh, you know being released. So and even then a, a disc you know medium media to me is completely I, I'm just I don't do that shit anymore. You know? I honestly, someone asked me a little. This is a funny story. A little while ago uh, to rip a bunch of his uh, DVDs, music like music movies. You know what I mean? With great 5.1 sound, it took me. Forever, because I, I didn't even know I had to look up how to do it and make sure you got everything and then burn it. I'm like, this is so archaic to me, actually, to rip something and copy it. Like that's you know, like you know, I just I, it's, and, it's and in fact, it's it's much more difficult. It's much easier to rip something and watch it on your computer. That, and that's fun. why that's why we're going to move to that. Sorry, Andrew. No, it's okay. I'm just saying it's funny you say that because I was actually looking up how to make a music CD on my Mac. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember the last time I made a music CD. Uh, well, in fact. In fact, the only reason why music CDs could last outlast DVDs is because they they are still in cars. So even I still have to sometimes, well, I, all the time, because I don't have any input into my, oh, my old school car stereo. I have to burn old old school CDs, which is really yeah. I, I can plug my iPod right in, this, which is a fantastic like blink, and I can control it. So Downs can still hear the best of way I'm on his way to work whenever he wants in his car. Thank goodness. Well, and I'm a big green caterpillar driving my car. <laughs> Well, that was a great question, Andrew. Boy, oh boy, that was a really good question. Uh, I guess, I guess we got to start off uh, with one of my questions. And, and let me just say right now, after hearing your guys' questions, mine does, doesn't seem that great. And well, let's just see what happens because here's something that always bothered uh, me. Uh, now, granted, I've uh, I have never seen the movie uh, I, either of the Alien versus Predators movies. Uh, I haven't even seen the latest Predators movie. So basically, my thoughts on this are purely based on uh, the first two uh, Predator movies. But is it just me, or like for an alien race, it's supposed to be a grand race of hunters and honor and all that fucking shit? Are the Predators really just a bunch of fucking chicken shits? <laughs> no, because of all their equipment. No, because they're always invisible and hiding. But that's kind, kind of that like that's like a stealth assassin, though, right? That's yeah. Like a we, sniper we, is not is not a pussy. I, no, but I, a sniper is camouflage. No, it's not basically well, that's, invisible well, to the naked eye. That's, well, that's, that's the best the definition of camouflage. <laughs> no, but I. <laughs> I can't see him. It's because he's invisible. No, he's camouflaged. No, but that's like it's like okay, great. Okay, let's okay, great. It's it seems like super cheating to me. Like you're not even giving the person the even the inkling or hope that they could see. Well, something. What, what's a sniper going to wear his snowsuit in the summer? Like you just no, don't. But there's... You do whatever technology you have, you're going to take advantage. Exactly. A sniper, if he could sniper could look invisible. If he had the technology of a Harry Potter's magic invisible cloak, he'd use the motherfucker. The predators are using all of their technology that they have at the time to be the best hunters they can be. There's no fucking way those bastards are chicken maybe, shits. They're maybe, fucking badass killers. Maybe snipers are chicken shits. <laughs> no, Christian, like, from this rationale, I mean, if, I'm, if I've got to fucking kill a polar bear, why am I going to run at it fully naked with just a, you know, a 
a stick in my hand. Like, you know, I'm going to fucking sneak up on this thing and try to kill it as best as I can with as little of harm to myself. Well, I don't know. It just seems to be just turning invisible seems like a big friggin' cheat. I mean, at least in our, in our stupid caveman ways, I guess, you know, a little face paint and maybe the glint of the scope seems like a bit more of a friggin' possibility that someone can well, get friggin'. Yeah, I th- I think though with the with the alien thing, the the point to it, and I'm not I know you're not trying to get to the point of the movie, is that it's these insurmountable odds that Arnold Schwarzenegger and everyone else has to overcome. Like, how am I supposed to beat up an invisible alien with you know all this technology? Yet we're able to do it. And I I see what you're saying. Like, I know why you would say. He's a chicken shit, but I, I just I don't see it as as he's portrayed as that way. He's using technology that he's been given to be a hunter, one of the best in the universe. Say, well, I know because like you see in Predator Two at the end, where friggin' the Predators give Danny Glover that friggin' pirate's pistol for Christ's sakes. I wonder for how many hundreds of fucking years have these Predators been going down, calling like friggin' Earth like the the vacation killing planet. You know what I mean? You could just go down there. Oh, we got a bunch of cavemen down there, and just friggin' You know, practice all your skills before we go off to some better game, for crying out loud. I mean, a a pirate back in the day would have no chance against a predator. But, Christian, so what you're saying here is killing needs to be fair? Yeah. For entertainment purposes, for my viewing purposes, yes. But that's not realistic. If you're a hunter, you don't go out and kill the biggest fucking bear the first day. You kill a rabbit. You kill a fucking small deer. Then you get the buck. Then you move up. That is well, the not, way hunters work. Well, it's not so, even that. Well, I think what – sorry, Downs, I know I'm jumping all over you here. But I know. The, 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 point, the point I think that you're missing, what, what, where Christian is completely missing, is the fact that you don't wrestle a bear bringing a gun that you shoot a rabbit with. You have to bring the proper equipment to fight, and you bring the best equipment that you have. Like you don't, you don't try to level the playing field and go, you know what, I'm going to get on the ground on all fours and fight this deer. Well, yes. Like, it's like a ninja's not going to go, oh, I'm hunting Christian Nielsen, so I might drink seven beers and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, not sleep the night before. It's like, it's still going to fucking sneak up on you and, you know, ninja star your ass. Well, I don't know. I just think, again, back, rehash my point, is the invisibility. All I think is I see these predators in the trees just freaking making faces, you know what I mean? Blah, blah. Can't see me, can't see me, and ka-chunk with the thing. And then when they get freaking throwing the ropes, they go like, all right, you got me, but wait, let me put, turn on my friggin' nuclear bomb but, for crazy. Yeah, well, no, yeah, but that, that's going out like a fucking samurai. Uh, but look at, at the end of the second one when Danny Glover fucking uh, kills Buddy, and they're all surrounding him, and they're like, nope, sign of respect. That dude fucking took out one of their fucking badass motherfucking predators, and they showed him the respect and let him leave. You know what I mean? That, that, if they were cowards, they would have killed him there. They would have not let him leave. No, if they were cowards, they'd they'd never get out of their ship, and they would just shoot a fucking missile at you. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean, Christian? You stumbled out of the gates here where you start with your camouflage comment here because <laughs> camouflage is hiding. Like, that's basically what you're doing. Invisibility is another way of camouflage to this fucking race I, of warriors. I don't know. I see a crack friggin', uh, uh, friggin' uh, military team get friggin' cut down by some friggin' ghost that just jumps through trees and going, click, 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 click. What's that? What's that? You know what I mean? And I don't know. But they're not that this crack military squadron isn't signing up for this either, right? They're not saying, all right, uh, there's a referee in the middle here going, I want a fair fight, guys. No invisibility, just a mild use of camouflage. It's, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's hunting, it's killing. And, you know, it's, 
the the best wins, and they use whatever means they have at their disposal. Exactly. DJ to put it exactly, exactly the well, way it is. I think it's a, this is a, a great point to move on to one of our other questions. <laughs> in this you're show. fucking wrong. Put on your camouflage and move on. <laughs> All right. But uh, don't DJ. be invisible because that's just too much. <laughs> All right, DJ. What's uh, another one of your stupid questions? <laughs> stupid question. Uh, Go ahead. Turn invisible on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My next question is a bit of a weird one, but bear with me. What will you guys, out of your lunchboxes, trade me for a Joe Louie? <laughs> so I'm, what I'm trying to get at here, guys, is what is your favorite childhood snack that you used to have in your lunchboxes? Oh, so wait, Joe Louie is your favorite? Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I, I've got a Joe Louie. You're trading for it. What have you got in your fucking uh, lunchbox? I, I know what I got. Oh. One of my favorite all-time snacks. And we weren't as, we're not as lucky as the U.S. people as we, when we were talking to CT, we don't have all the hostess pastries and all that goody good goods, but we did have one called Ah Caramel. You know those two little, uh, um, hostess chocolate, chocolate squares with caramel on top and then, oh. I'm not familiar with that one at all. Oh, oh, I know them. They weren't my, I mean, I like caramel, caramel, however you call that. But, uh, I don't know. They were, they had like a cakey residue taste or something. They didn't really do it for me. You know what sometimes happened with them too, Andrew, is the plastic would stick on the caramel and as you take it off would rip off the top. They were almost like two little squares with a little perforated circle on top. That was filled with caramel. Andrew, I'm... I don't remember the perforated circle. I do remember loving the well, shit like, out of these and eating like six packages at once all the time. That was the problem. They were too small. Definitely they are small. Louis, though. They are small. Mm-hmm. What What do you think, Downs? Would you got something? Well, I mean, I mean I, I'm sure Mike knows this. Joe Louis are my absolute favorite. Yeah, Joe Louis are good. That's, oh, that's why I'm saying you're stopper. trading me for it. Yeah, because I would never get a fucking Joe Louie in my lunch. Um, you were I a wagon wheel kid, weren't you? Totally wagon wheel, poor fucking byway family. Um, maybe <laughs> if I was lucky, I might get a real fucking zombie land Twinkie. Twinkies? Would you trade a Twinkie for a Joe Louie? Two Twinkies, no, two Twinkies for one Joe Louie. That's close. Mm-hmm. Twinkies I think were one of those things that you, I, in, in Canadian friggin' food shopping, was something you rarely ever saw. But when they did make an appearance, it was kind of like, I have got to try this. And only, only because I saw them in the comics, you know? Well, Come I on. mean, I, we, we actually, see, I grew up near the States, so we could get Twinkies. But I'll tell you, there was a period where they were really good, and then I think there was a time in the 90s where they weren't very good. And I've had them recently where they're like back to the old style of Twinkies. And yeah. I'll tell you, there was a lot of stuffing in them. The ones I had recently, they kicked my ass. Maybe I got them in the States, actually, at Florida. <laughs> I will tell you this really right good. now, that I don't think I've probably eaten a Twinkie in probably – 20 years, but if you, I'm just, as Downs was talking about this, I was floating and like smiling and listening (laughs) because Twinkies were that spongy goodness filled with that cream cream filling. Fuck, those were yummy, man. And was I wrong? Was I, am I wrong here? But was there a pink Twinkie? Yes. With coconuts. With coconuts. Yes. That was more like a coconut ball thingy, wasn't it? That was in the States, a snowball or whatever it was called. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, we, we had less things, so I'm sure Hostess or Vachon or whoever did a pink, fuzzy coconut Twinkie. 
Yeah. What would I? Because okay, okay, here's my two little stories about freaking Joe Louise and, and Twinkies. First of all, what I remember about Twinkies, though, first of all, not only did you get the actual Twinkie itself that you, because you should come in like packages of two or larger packs of three, but they had that white piece of cardboard underneath. So you would eat the Twinkies and they'd peel off residue of like the freaking <laughs> Twinkie batter underneath. So when you ate the two Twinkies, oh, yeah. you'd still take your thumb and kind of and wipe it down the friggin' cardboard piece and you still have a little bit of Twinkie bottom to eat too. So I just see. I would drag my teeth along that. I wouldn't use my <laughs> finger. Oh, really? And then every time I got a Joe Louis, because for those who don't know what a Joe Louis is, essentially it's kind of like a, a, a chocolate piece cake of heaven. Wrap. Yeah, two pieces of round kind of chocolate cake, whipped cream in the middle, put together like a sandwich, and then there's chocolate sauce put all over top. Right? Yep. So I remember we used to take the Joe Louis because it, it, the, the chocolate sauce on top would harden. So they had this hard edge of chocolate all the way around. So I would eat all the way around the outside first, <laughs> taking all that chocolate out. And then I would carefully surgically separate <laughs> the two pieces of the freaking chocolate cake and then lick the icing off. And then I'd just eat the cake. I ate it the exact same way i think that was there might have been those instructions like drawn out like cartoons on the packaging because i think everyone ate it like that joe louis i are also pretty but, fucking good but what i would trade for a joe louis i would probably if if, if we look back in, t- in the time machine of the nielsen family lunch history uh when my, when my mom, uh, for a short period of time, when she actually took a job and we had to take lunches to school, first of all, she brought my brother and I basically grown men construction worker lunch boxes. <laughs> so That's essentially, awesome, well, well, all these kids had these like you know cool lunch boxes with people like you know Buck Rogers or whatever on them. My brother and I had these gigantic friggin' step stool <laughs> lunch boxes had like the thermos in the top. And I guess my mom felt guilty about making us go to school for lunch because she always used to overfill with with the treats, and she always gave us like instead of like a couple of cookies, she gave me like six or seven chocolate chip cookies. Christian is also 300 pounds. We should Yeah, yeah, yeah. 350 pounds of cookie dough. You know, it's, Christian. It, well, so I would say it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because we never took – my dad actually made hot lunches for us. We came all the way home from high school. I, I don't think I ever took lunch to school. But I will tell you what, Joe Louis are – I still buy the box. If I go into the grocery store, and if they're on sale especially, uh, I mean, do you know how tough of a conversation this is to a stoner to talk about all these cakes and creams and stuff but not have any of it here? This is horrible. Um, I would go out and buy Joe Louis tomorrow, though. So, Christian, you never actually said what you would trade for a Joe Louis. I, I would give you I would give you my chocolate chip cookies for the Joe Louis. Seven chocolate chip cookies for one Joe Louis. That's a pretty good trade. Homemade chocolate chip cookies? No, no, actually no. They're more like of the uh, the the President's Choice supermarket or the 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 Chips Ahoy one. Oh, the soft, okay. What with the soft ones or the hard ones? No, they're the hard ones. The hard ones are better with milk. Got to be soft. They got to be soft. And they, the ones almost had. Remember, there was the soft ones that almost had like a thin layer of chocolate right through the middle. Yeah. Were those the Duncan Hines ones or? I don't know. Sounds like fancy tea time cookies to me. I'm starving. <laughs> that was like those were the cookies my grandmother had. Like she'd have the peak creams, like the cookies that you wouldn't have at home. These are like the fancy cookies, you know, like the one with the little red chewy chewy center in it. You yeah. Know? And you try to take the top off, you never could because it's so glued in there. 
Anyway. You know what else this reminds me of? And my mother-in-law makes a great uh, full-size one of these. But you remember the little chocolate rolls? Which would be like, they'd become six in a, in a pack. Oh, Swiss rolls. And it would be like uh, a chocolate roll of white Swiss cream roll. in the center. Swiss roll. Is that what called? Yep. No, 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 no. It's just not covered in chocolate. It was like in the, in the uh, bakery section. Log. It would just be like a chocolate log. cake rolled and then white cream in the middle. You could also get yellow cake with raspberry in the middle. Yeah, log. yeah. So, so my, my, my mother-in-law makes those big, giant chocolate rolls today, like my birthday, chocolate log. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's better than bad. It's good. That was a good question, crying out loud. That'd be, that, now I'm hungry for crying out loud. I'd feel like getting, going Some, into something, something else for crying out loud. <laughs> yes, I'll take 25 Twinkies, please. What? <laughs> um, Mr. Downs, let's hear that other topic you were ranting about earlier. Um, well, you know, so when I was thinking of this, I was thinking, okay, what is an, uh, maybe an, a geek question, uh, maybe a classic geek question that we could have that is, I don't know if it deserves a lot of stuff, but it's kind of one of those things that maybe a lot of our listeners might go, you know, what's the deal with that? And this is kind of something that's been said a lot, but you know, Superman, Clark Kent, just putting a couple, a pair of glasses on. I mean, come on, that's not enough. You know, could we, is there nothing better they could have done with this guy? Oh, Jesus Christ. You're a jerk. Okay. Now, based on this question, let's say, because I think this falls in the realm of my final question. And, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Don't be sorry. No, I'll over everyone's feet tonight. My apologies. No, I know, but we're all we're so like-minded. But this is good, because then we can, we can tie into questions here. And I want to hear, because basically your and I questions are very similar. I want to hear uh, what uh, your thoughts are on uh, from the movie Kill Bill. Uh, David Carradine's speech of at the end of I'm sorry at Kill Bill Two, which I think is very interesting and deserves a geek perspective of what we think of that speech, and I'm going to play it for you right now. As you know, I'm quite keen on comic books, especially the ones about superheroes. I find the whole mythology surrounding superheroes fascinating. Take my favorite superhero. Superman. Not a great comic book. Not particularly well drawn. Hmm. But the mythology. The mythology is not only great, it's unique. How long does this shit take to go into effect? About two minutes. Just long enough for me to finish my point. Now, a staple of the superhero mythology is there's the superhero and there's the alter ego. Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. When that character wakes up in the morning, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it is in that characteristic Superman stands alone. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. His outfit with the big red S. That's the blanket he was wrapped in as a baby when the Kents found him. Those are his clothes. What Kent wears, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. That's the costume Superman wears to blend in with Clark Kent is how Superman views us. And what are the characteristics of Clark Kent? He's weak. He's unsure of himself. 
He's a coward. Clark Kent is Superman's critique on the whole human race. So there you go. I think that's a great freaking speech. And I'm curious about what all of you jerks think about it. Mike Downs. Um, well, you know, uh, I don't think it's a critique on what Superman thinks of us. I think um, it's his uh, effort to blend in. He, if he, if he, he, he actually knows very well what human society is, and by trying to do this, he's tr- supposedly trying to blend in. I don't think it's him saying this is what humans look like, and I'm so much better. I don't think it's a, like the way he says. It's like a cocky, um, you know. Uh, Superman looking down his nose at us. I, I don't. I don't feel that's. I, I think that's incorrect. You know, I, I. I fucking. That was probably one of the best things Tarantino's ever written for for my taste. I think that's a, just a classic, classic scene. Uh, but you know, I'm going to agree with Downs a little bit here in the sense that I think that is a very harsh uh, perspective to have on Kal-El. I think uh, you know what he is doing is he's using his maybe outsider sense of the human race in a way to say, how can I deflect people from thinking I am Superman? So I'm going to take on traits that are so unlike him. So I think that is in essence his way to uh, confuse people and be, create a secret identity. I think that is obviously what he is doing. He, uh, he doesn't want people to think he is uh, he is Superman, so he has to be almost the anti-Superman. And to that is weak, bumbling, and unsure of himself. Andrew? I I agree totally with what DJ was saying. Like, first of all, fucking awesome speech. Like, how cool is it the fact that in a movie that's awesomely awesome, they have him giving a speech yeah my descriptives are are great uh, giving giving a speech about superman but yet dissecting it to a point that makes sense it does make sense in a way um i think what dj was saying is probably a little more accurate it wouldn't fit the movie it wouldn't make any sense if he if he talked about it like that um but superman is trying to be the anti superman um instead of just trying to be us but like ooh, good speech yeah, if I could go back to the speech for a second, you know, I think um, David Carradine's character's understanding of what Clark Kent is doing is perfect. I mean, it's a perfect thing for a villain to think that's what Superman's doing. Do you know what I mean? That's the brilliance of the speech, actually. That's you know I mean? a very, very good point. From his perspective as an evil person, he thinks that this good person is just making fun of us. Right, right. And that's the only thing he could think because he's a fucking bad guy, right? Like, that's what's so brilliant about Tarantino's, specifically that speech and that character is that, you know, he's a great villain because what he sees in good people is the opposite of what we see. And that's what's amazing about it. That's an excellent point. I mean, I basically agree with all of you. I mean, basically, this is, you know, Superman's not trying to say, hey, look at me, I'm human, boy, I fall down and I can't, I wear glasses. You know what I mean? He's basically just trying to just make himself the total, like, Superman could never be Clark Kent. Are you kidding me? There's no way. That's basically the role he's playing, though. But I think the interesting thing about his speech, though, if I'm going to start getting nitpicky, though, is that when he says, you know, Batman is Bruce Wayne, I think that he's wrong there. I think, if anything, in that particular statement, that uh, Bruce Wayne is more of the costume and, and Batman is who he really is personally. That's a good point, too, yeah. I think that's what he was saying, actually. Does he, though? Yeah, he actually actually said that. No, 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 I think you misinterpreted that, Christian, because he is saying that 
the real person, he wakes up in the morning and he is Bruce Wayne and he is Peter Parker. They have to put on the costumes to become that. No, Superman no. wakes up as Superman. Yeah, but I think, but I think in Batman's case specifically, Batman is is the person, and the Bruce Wayne is the alter ego that's not really anybody. No, oh, uh, Clark Bruce Wayne is Clark Kent. Bruce Wayne well, is a costume. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Batman is so psychology fucked up. He cares more about being Batman. Bruce Wayne is just like Clark Kent. It's who he portrays so he can pull off the bat. So he, so he, who he, so he can be Batman. I disagree with oh, that. I see. Actually. You're disagreeing with what Bill says in the movie, Christian. You're saying that yes. they're I, both I think Batman, similar. I think Batman sees Bruce Wayne as a freaking uh, as a freaking clo- like a disguise. I think Bruce Wayne is almost doing what uh, what Bill thinks he's doing as well. He's basically, yeah. I'm the rich, stupid, freaking rich guy. How could I be Batman? You know, and Batman, who is really yeah. is. They do portray no. that a little bit. And sorry, DJ, they do portray that a little bit in the movies where they say, if you're not out being a playboy, people are going to start wondering what you're doing. So he does play it up a little bit more in that. But I think what, what Bill's talking about, maybe he should have picked a different superhero like Spider-Man or something and said that, the costume is what they put on. The superhero is what they become. Where Superman was born that way, he has to become a, a human to hide himself. No, I know. And Christian is saying that he feels Batman is the same way as yes. the way Bill yeah. is talking. And my, my, what Christian, I'm going to disagree with the way that what you're saying about Batman, though. I think uh, he was born as Bruce. I think he was born into that lifestyle. I think once he had that tragic moment, he had a a, a change, but he had to continue being Bruce, but he is rejecting it. I think that is the point, is that he's putting that on. Bruce Wayne is still ultimately who he is, but he is unsatisfied in being that rich, industrialist person that he was born into. I think he is Bruce, but he rejects uh, that and becomes Batman. I think the difference is... Kal-El is Superman and has to become Clark Kent. I don't think he's putting on the playboy. I think he is not wanting to be the person that he unfortunately is, so he's become another. I don't know if I agree with that. I just I think he gets the most satisfaction about his existence by being Batman and not Bruce Wayne. Yeah, but yeah, my I, point is I'm agreeing, Christian, not you, but you didn't hear what I said. I don't think he's created Bruce Wayne. I think Bruce, I think he is he is Bruce Wayne, and that's what the lifestyle he was born into, but he is rejecting it. That's the point. There's a difference yeah, but, between him saying he's creating this Bruce Wayne persona and he really is Batman. But that's what he's repurposed it into is a persona, though, now, to the point where, like, Bruce Wayne is only a, a persona. I mean, I, honestly, I think at this point you guys are, I mean, we're pretty much splitting hairs, right? I mean, the idea, yeah. I mean, the, the idea here is that Bill's saying, and, and, and to, to DJ's point, Cal is an alien who has to pretend to be human. You know what I mean? Whereas everyone else is humans who, for whatever reason, either they're pretending to be someone else or they've maybe uh, morphed into someone else because of their circumstances. But at the end of the day, they're still completely different, right? I mean, that Cal is an alien who has to pretend to be human. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, but, but at the same time, you're, you're both right. Super, uh, Batman is more Batman than he is Bruce Wayne. However, he was he was born as Bruce Wayne. You know, what I mean, he wasn't he wasn't some alien here. who just has to had to create Bruce Wayne. You know, and so Downs to go basically off your original uh, question, which was you know a pair of, right. a pair of glasses. Give me a break. 
that is probably one of the longest running gags in all of comics. There's, you know, someone, uh, there was a great run of Superman, uh, all-star Superman. And this is done by the, one of my favorite writers, Grant Morrison, and probably one of the best comic book artists, Frank Quitely. And, and during this run, they actually added a few elements to it, which maybe were always unspoken, but they just accentuated these, is that the way Clark Kent would have held his body language would have been meek and shrunk, uh, like, uh, you know, shrunk shoulder would have been kind of messy. And he would have, like, the way he would have walked would have been different and he would have slouched and things like that. That's probably what, in a real world way, Clark would have done more so. I think a lot of people just think of the Christopher Reeve portrayal of Clark Kent, where he looks just like Soups, but he has a pair of glasses on. I think if this was in a real-world setting, Clark would fade so much into the background because he would be so meek and so timid that we probably wouldn't even have the chance to consider him as Superman. I liked uh, one of the things that when uh, basically John Byrne was tasked with freaking rebooting Superman, and one of the little little freaking nuggets he put in there was that uh, Superman it was always vibrating his head at such a an, 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 like a, from a from the normal eye you cannot be seen, but every time he was photographed, it always appeared blurry. So he couldn't get a good sharp picture of his face to, like to say to compare it to say I don't know the employee friggin' wall of fame at the daily planet well well, because i mean you know so i've argued funny enough you know i I know a guy who who is a huge fan of this stuff but hates superman this when the last movie came out uh, you know we got a big argument about why i was looking forward to it and it's it's something that people pick apart a lot i think it's one of the biggest failings of the superman mythos um is that they never really i don't think they did a good enough I think that they could have done a better job. Like, you guys are explaining it pretty well now that we're talking about it. But, you know, why didn't the guy have, like, long red hair, you know what I mean? And, and you know, why couldn't he, you know, do, put a wig yeah. on or something? You know but, what I mean? Like, the, he, he didn't, to me, you got things that you guys are saying, and I, I really like the thing that you're saying, Mike, about, you know, he would have maybe meta or physically, metaphysically kind of kind of moved into a different body type person, almost like an actor, and I, I, I get that, but... That, that really isn't evident in flipping the pages of a comic book or in the, the general ways that we've seen it portrayed in television. He doesn't really look that different. So it's not like, you know, and you're like, well, why, why, would, why would they look at him? It's because because he's always there with Lois. You know what I mean, it's like Peter Parker taking all the pictures. I mean, there is a certain amount of, like, come on now, this guy's always around that would make you think a better story would, would if people would have asked the question, had a better reason to say it's not him. Do you know what I mean? I think one of the longstanding, uh, you know, Obviously, suspension of disbelief plays a little part in this, but like one of the longstanding explanations that sometimes the 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 biggest the biggest surprises or answers are basically right in front of your face and you don't even notice. Yeah, you would never assume that the guy sitting next to you at the Daily Planet would be Superman. Like you would never think that he's got a full time job and doing whatever. But I almost wonder whether or not this is a product of its time and its and Superman's invention. Um. You know, when Superman came out in comic books, this was a new type of hero, a new type of genre, and maybe they just didn't really have the chops to put together. I don't know. Like, or maybe it's just uh, back in those days, uh, glasses and a hat, that was good enough, see? Well, you know, I agree. It's probably uh, a lot of what you just said there, Bloom. I think it's he's hiding in plain sight because – and – 
it was a product of they didn't have the foresight at the time in 1937 to really yeah. think about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to poo-poo Superman. You know, I just think that, you know, we've seen from iTunes reviews that not a lot of our listeners kind of, you know, have spent the time thinking about it that we have. But, you know, I can't say you can't say you wouldn't think of him because, yes, you would, because Lois is there and Jimmy's there and all of a sudden Clark's missing all the time. So there are two fucking people who should be asking the question, what the fuck is up with Clark? So – uh, and I, I think it is the problem is that this character was created in, in, in almost 100 years ago, you know, and, and that, in fact, you know, we, you know, they should have probably, with the times, made it a little bit better that he was, and it sounds like some of these things have been addressed, but, you know, they just haven't made it into the legend of Superman as much as maybe they should have. Yeah, I always wondered when they were, I, I always assumed that eventually, at some point, they were going to eventually kind of like, slowly, like, phase Clark Kent out of the equation altogether. You know, especially, you know, I think the whole freaking Superman getting married thing is just a freaking albatross that they'll never, ever be able to get rid of anyway unless they reboot the character. But I always assume that one day, eventually, they're just going to basically kind of, like, phase Clark Kent out altogether. Well, I mean, the death of Superman. You know what I mean? Like, I know you guys hate that story, but... And Clark just was missing too. Like, there's just now is where you start to go. It's not the 1950s, gang. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you should kill off Clark Kent. It would probably be a huge thing that would get all kinds of press and maybe revive the character a little bit. If it's like, you know what, Clark Kent died, and you know Superman has to now he's some other guy who's a janitor in some building. You know, I don't know, something different it might be interesting. I don't know. Or just not have a alter ego at all. You're Superman. Just fucking be Superman. Maybe. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's see. Last question. The honor goes, or last mini topic, the honors go to you, Mr. Bloom. Okay, then. Um, mine, my, it's actually an older topic that I had thought of, and, and now I had to modify it or work with DJ to modify it a little bit. And it has to do with Star Trek. Now, a lot, a lot, I know a lot of, or a few of our fans say, we don't talk about Star Trek enough, uh, which is probably true, but... The, the new movie has come out and it's gone and it's sort of revitalized the movie franchise of, of Star Trek. It, it's given us, uh, you know, a fresh perspective on an old favorite. Well, my question is, do you think television Star Trek is dead? Do you think we'll ever see it on the small screen again? Whoa, that's a good question. You know what, Andrew? Definitely not now because the fires are burning hot for uh, a, a Star Trek film franchise under, you know, J.J. Abrams with Chris Pine as Kirk. Uh, I think what happened is, I think it's going to be a while before you're going to see another weekly episodic Star Wars TV series. Do I think it'll happen again? You betcha. I think, like Doctor Who in the U.K. and internationally, this is a commodity that the, the, that has become a part of pop culture and fan, you know the almost what do I, what's the word I'm looking for here sci-fi public domain in a sense you know Gene Roddenberry's given that to people and people in 20 years will probably you know pick it up again but the problem is is Star Trek 10 15 years ago was like anything they diluted it there was too much they got too far away from the uh, the core idea of Star Trek, which was boldly going where no one's gone before. You know, there was at one point sometimes two or three series on at once. And I just think they killed it from a television uh, mindset. 
and the movies now, I think, are going to be what we're probably going to have to accept is going to be our only Star Trek, at least for a couple generations. A couple generations? No fucking way. I'm sorry. Uh, I think my answer would be I sure as hell hope not. Um, I think Star Trek is a much better television property than it is a film property. I think TNG um, and even Star Trek, the television series, episodic television works for this uh, story in this universe much better. I mean, films are great, but I think this thing really shines on TV. And Generations, God, no. I hope we see an ep- a new TV- Star Trek, and I'll actually almost put money that we see it on in the next five years. I, I doubt that will happen in the next five years. I have a tendency, uh, I, a, I do agree with, uh, uh, with uh, Dijo. I think that essentially the next generation was essentially – uh, it came out or was inspired only out of necessity since the, the original television show had been so far long gone. Uh, I don't think that we're going to probably get, in my opinion, another uh, St- Star Trek product until the it, look, it looks like that the, the, the film series has kind of run its course. Because right now there's no, like, what universe are they, are they plucking from? Because right now after this first movie, all the, the entire Star Trek universe is in question of what exactly is going on. I, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I agree that I don't really see a TV Star Trek on the horizon. But I think this is one franchise that survives half decently having both going at the same time. Now, it would have to be something maybe new and something totally different. But, uh, you, you know, you're not going to reprise Captain Kirk and Spock and put them on television. But you might have, you know, Star Trek... The lost asteroid belt <laughs> or something while this is still going on because it's one thing that, that they've kind of been able to do, although not quite as successfully as everything else on the planet. It, it, it has its very, very niche market. It has a, you know, very, very successful, um, having both going at the same time. Well, I mean, but Star Trek is, sorry, Mike, Star Trek is one of the, in terms of science fiction, it's one of the money in the banks almost, you know, properties. Uh, while they, sure they've had some failures with something like Enterprise and, and some things that ran its course poorly, it's also made a boatload of money on television. You know, so I, maybe it's not in five years because they're not developing it today, but I think someone's going to look at this and go, why don't we bring back or do a new Star Trek X? Like they did, I mean, Stargate has, has shown as of other, uh, products, you know, where you can tell a story Again, on science fiction, there's a yeah. lot of people I think who are waiting for this type of shit. I think if you had Star Trek, whatever X is, the next X thing, if it was five, six years from now, I think there would be an audience for it. Totally. Yeah. But it, like, but it's like Star Trek and uh, Star Trek and Stargate were both inspired by somewhat either dated or lackluster original material. I mean, let's face facts: friggin' Stargate movie wasn't exactly that great. No, you know? I, no, I know, but it's but so exactly the the point is is that the the universe is completely completely rich and you can do just what anything you want you know, I'll, I'll tell you what the problem with, with star great star trek specifically was is that the creative team was two guys who completely and utterly got burned out trying to do everything themselves and they it was two guys who were completely responsible for everything that went to shit in star trek and now it's in other people's hands and so those other people are going to one day say you know what why the fuck are we don't have a TV show? We could make a lot. We could we could spend some money and maybe make some money. They they gamble with a lot more other things way more freely. So I totally believe. I would almost. I'd like to put a bet down. I would bet. I'll, I'll bet money that within ten years there's some sort of Star Trek product on TV. I, I okay, would bet. but Downs, you're changing your. Uh, ten years is another generation. My point is, 
There is no fucking way there would be, there would have been a Stargate TV series if Roland Emmerich's film uh, took off like fucking gangbusters and created a franchise. Movies come first. If move, uh, there is no way when that failed as a movie property, someone decided, hey, let's adapt it into TV. That is the reality, my friend, and it's made a good t- good number of TV shows to your likings, but it would never have cannibalized film. Right now, for, and I say for the next five years, movie is the focus for Star Trek. Ten years is another generation. I, I You know, that. then I start saying, sure, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, wouldn't be surprised if there was Star Trek... Uh, Hyperdrive X. Star Trek, tele- Star, Trek, Star Trek Academy could be out in, in a couple of years with very little production. Yeah. There's a show that I'm surprised they've never pulled the friggin' trigger but on. Dude, that could, that, that could be done. But they're not going to do it to confuse people going to the box office. That is, a, that is the way it works. I mean, right now, the movie franchise is it. As much as we uh, Trekkies would long and say you could you could support a movie, a TV series, fourteen comic book series, and a book series and a cartoon, I'm sure they'd say that, and I'm sure you could. In the reality of it, is folks, the movie is the is the lead property here. They're not going to fuck with that by going a Starfleet Academy TV series might be kind of cool. And I agree that makes sense. And I will throw my hat in here to just reiterate that I like Star Trek TV, Tired Canadian. In fact, I like... <laughs> yes, I, I quite like Deep Space Nine. I think that was my, I, that was one of my, or if not my favorite of the series. But I just... I, and I don't... I think it will, we'll see another iteration eventually, but it's the movies that you're going to have to live with for now. That was a good question, Andrew. Good discussion. That was a lot of good freaking questions uh, all, all around, you know, except for those uh, gems of mine, I guess. Um, but uh, there you go, folks. Uh, another episode of the Atomic Geeks. Uh, I think we're going to call We Talk About the Little Stuff and the Things. Um, so how about now we get to our Atomic Picks. Uh, so let's start uh, with our Atomic Pickin' with you, Mr. Bloom. Why, thank you, Christian. Um a while back, in fact, back in January, we, we were talking about um, New Year's resolutions and what we were going to do. Dejo has successfully gone through and did his Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, viewing. He watched them all, and I believe he's into Angel now, if not finished that. And one of the things I had said was, let's go and do a comic book convention and whatever. We did the Fan Expo. But another thing I believe I mentioned, if I didn't, I meant to, was Battlestar Galactica. I finally got off my ass to watch this, and I will tell you, I'm upset at myself for waiting so long. This shit's awesome. I'm still in the first season. I'm probably only on episode eight or nine, but fuck, how hot is Trisha Helfer? (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. If you haven't watched it and you're any bit of a geek, even if you're not a geek, you watch this shit. I know it's old school, and I know I'm I'm drawn from something that probably everyone else has seen. I would get it now, Mister Downs. Okay, so as I mentioned off the top, uh, and I've mentioned a couple times, my iPad is my new best friend, and my only friend. Um, 
I've been reading a lot of books, specifically Neil Gaiman. As I've as I've said plenty of times, uh, Sandman is is probably my all time favorite comic book. I think maybe Preacher. I'm getting sidetracked. Um, I love Neil Gaiman. The guy is an amazing writer. Uh, I mentioned American Gods, a uh, 900-page book, very good book I read on my iPod. It's about um, these gods who come, who were brought over to, to North America when the, Im- when the immigrants first migrate to Canada, to, to North America, specifically the States. Um, and then what happens when new gods, like gods of the Internet and gods of television and gods of, I don't know, blowjobs come along. Very, very good very good book, um, and so as I'm looking through all the thousands of books I downloaded illegally onto my iPad, I found another couple books from Neil Gaiman, and since there's so much to choose from, I went back to Neil Gaiman. So I read another book called The Anansi, uh, Anansi, or Nancy Boys, another book about a god who dies and his sons who are left and, and find out that their uh, god, their father was indeed a god who was living in, you know, North America and basically, you know, putting little hexes on people to get what he wants. I really love this type of storytelling that, you know, there are old forgotten gods that our generation, you know, doesn't our generations and family don't know about. And there are things that are going on behind uh, closed doors or just out of the kind of corner of our eyes. I really like the storytelling. And Neil Gaiman is really probably the best person to, to write these types of stories. And so that's uh, American Gods, number one. Number two is a Nancy Boys. And number three I'm reading right now is called The Graveyard Book, which is about a little boy who grows up in a graveyard who's uh, adopted by the ghosts and someone who I think is a vampire and there's a witch there and again it's just really really clever uh, I love British writers they're so clever at their names and their storytelling so uh, in case I haven't made it abundantly clear um, never mind uh, I really like Neil Gaiman and uh, if you have a bunch of illegal books on your iPad you should read his uh, these opinions are shared only by Mike Downs and no one else on the Atomic Geeks podcast. <laughs> um, Mr. DiGiovanni. Well, I would, I'm going to use the aforementioned segue from our friend Andrew Bloom, who mentioned uh, me watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. And in fact, I completed watching all of Angel up until season five. And I mentioned... Uh, that Angel had one of the greatest series finales ever, at least in my opinion. But did you know it continued in comic book form thanks to IDW Publishing? Uh, you know, I was I thought to myself, do, could I possibly read a continuation of this after it was handled so well? Blasphemy! But I could not resist. So I have read the In Canon Season 6 for Angel, and it's something called Angel After the Fall, and it's four volumes by the aforementioned IDW Publishing. Mr. Joss Whedon, creator of Angel, is involved, and another co-writer is Brian Lynch. I can't believe, I'm actually upset that I read it, but I'm also very glad I did, because I have to tell you, despite that, the fact that it continues the phenomenal conclusion of the series, it does it in a very, very good way. To all those fans who maybe thought, nope, do not want to wa- uh, know anything past what happened in the final episode of Season 5 of Angel, I was kind of with you there, but I must tell you that this little series, these four books, pretty fucking good stuff. Uh, so, you know, if you're willing to take a chance and maybe in, uh, you know, 
read it. Read it. Or no, read it, reading it, hiding from people and not announcing it on a podcast for all of the Internet. You know, go off and read Angel After the Fall. Great, great follow-up to a Dynamite TV series. And uh, my atomic uh, pick this week, I'm actually going to start off with a pan, and this is probably the most honest atomic pan that I've ever brought to the Atomic Geeks podcast. And uh, that is uh, last week's episode of my uh, one of my favorite shows, Chuck. Uh, the, the episodes uh, basically had guest stars Stone Cold Steve Austin from a previous episode and Nicole Richie. And uh, it was a bit disappointed by that episode in general. I really hope this is not an indication of things to come, because right now, again, once again, Chuck is kind of on the bubble of being uh, discarded into the television cancellation ether. But on a happy note, as per usual, the Venture Brothers is just friggin' awesome. Ugh. My God, I love this show. If you're not watching this show, guess what? You're a big, stupid head. Um, so that'll do it for another episode of the Atomic Geeks podcast. Uh, we got a lot of business to take care of before we sign off things. Uh, first of all, once again, I want to mention the fact that uh, if you are at all interested in seeing monsters in the city of Toronto on Monday, October 25th, 7 p.m., uh, if you on our Facebook page or Twitter or website say something really super cool about the Atomic Geeks, I will email you a ticket if you want to see it on that specific day. Um, I also want to do some very special shout-outs. I want to do a shout-out to, and pardon me if I uh, say your name incorrectly, uh, Timothy Blahout, who was nice enough to write us a fantastic iTunes review and uh, start up a little good discussion on our Facebook page, which is also happening. And especially another shout-out for somebody who's uh, made a comment on our Facebook Facebook page is A.J. Maggot from... The country slash continent of Australia. And let me tell you, having, uh, having, having us know that there's a listener in Australia drinking a Foster's and laughing along with us is a, a pretty uh, freaking uh, great piece of business. Well, I was going to uh, say, should we all give him a good day, mate? Yes, I, I was trying. I was doing. I was trying my damnedest not just to hold back with the freaking shrimp on the Barbie, and that's not. Well, a I didn't say shrimp on the Barbie, but I said good day, mate. That's the way you say <laughs> hi down there, ain't it? <laughs> it, it? It could be, but needless to say, and uh, uh, someone listening in Australia, welcome aboard. I know you're on episode 15. I'd like to say that you've got tons more good stuff to listen to for crying out loud, and we look forward to future comments on. Uh, our page uh, there, Koala Face. Um, <laughs> uh, now, uh, Dijo, uh, what can you tell us that we have going on in the future for the Atomic Geeks podcast? Well, first of all, I will be the host for next week's thrilling episode, and we're going to be talking about something like Kill the Clichés, so tune in for that. But also, for a upcoming episode, we are going to be reopening the Atomic Geeks Film studio. That's right. All four of us are film executives. But this time, we want you, the fans, to pitch us movie ideas to green light or kill. And this is how you can do it. 
send us via email at our website or uh, via audio clip or video clip your pitch for a movie. If you're doing audio or video, please try to keep it under a minute. Send these off to us. All of the uh, the users' submissions that we use will get a free gift, which will be explained a little bit later. Look for a post on our website, theatomicgeeks.com, soon. Well, there you go, uh, guys and dolls. Lots of exciting stuff happening on the podcast in future episodes. Uh, let me just remind you, if you want to know more about the Atomic Geeks, there's lots of ways you can find out about us. You can go to our Facebook page, which is always happening. Uh, you can uh, go to our website at theatomicgeeks.com, where we're always talking about the latest episode. You can find uh, some of us on Twitter looking for The Atomic Geeks or Hunkburger, which is me, or Atomic Geek downs which is kind of self-explanatory but as every time i host this is my thing that i do i beg i plead i offer monetary rewards for those that write us an itunes review take a little bit time of your day and do that one little thing for me that makes me so happy write an itunes review so there you go guys and dolls the atomic geeks episode Looking for some help. 87. 87. 82. 57. 97. 98. Episode 87. Thanks for listening. Go scrub that bathroom floor, you dirty bastards. You've just listened to another episode of The Atomic Geeks. Visit us at the Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down.